Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe. I'm a pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you've joined us through live streaming. We're excited about what the Lord is doing. He's brought us through this time of his past week of the ice storm and, and, and all the, the cold, the freeze, and uh, not having power, and many people not having water. Even today, God is still restoring people to water. We pray for them and ask God to, to restore them quickly. Also, to repair the homes where they had uh, leaks there and so forth, we just ask God to help us and to give us strength through this time. COVID situation, continue to pray. We know people that need prayer that we've asked for people here in this church, but I know maybe you know some people also pray that God would heal them and God would bring us through this. We, we just pray there'll be a breakthrough and we'll see the end of this virus. I'm not sure that there is necessarily, but certainly for the severity that we see happening, that we'll be able to get back to some normalcy in life. We need to do that. I don't like masks. I don't like masks. But anyway, maybe maybe it doesn't bother you, but it does me. So be in prayer. Ask God to do it. All of us, can you imagine when you approach God's throne of grace that God answers prayer? If His just His body, His church, would pray and ask God to do these things, can you imagine how it just moves the heart of God? Yes, God is sovereign and he is obviously completely in control. But something about God's prayers that just moves his heart when people come to him. And you know what we're saying when we pray? Actually, Lord, we are dependent upon you. And yes, we are, because we know that if he did want us here, we wouldn't be here. But I pray today, if you've never received Jesus Christ in your life as Lord and Savior, I pray today that his word would touch your heart. And you would surrender and give your life to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank the Lord for you. So let's begin for, with prayer. We'll share from his word. Father, thank you for your, your love. We thank you for your presence here today. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth today because, Lord, you're always up to good things. And, Lord, by the way, help us to remind, be reminded that you're never idle. Sometimes it looks like and feels like and maybe seems like you're distance because a lot of things are happening that we would rather have a different way. But Lord, you are never inactive. You're always acting on our behalf. And dear God, today, we may not understand it. By faith, we believe it. And we stand upon the promises of God. And so today, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to every life that is watching this uh, live streaming, those here in the congregation Speak to our hearts, dear. We pray, pray, Father, we need encouragement. We've got a lot of things that, have, that are going on. And, and we just pray, Father, that you would give us uh, those breakthroughs in prayer. And, Father, that we would see it's come from your mighty hand. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We want you here. We ask you to come and touch us and speak to us. Reveal yourself in a special way. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to talk about God is gracious today. And as I mentioned, we're going to go through a series of messages in the next few weeks about the actually the attributes of who God is. What is he and who is he? I want to share with you. I pray this will be encouraging. It's encouraging to me today. And so for the next few weeks, we pray that God would lift you up and understand because we've been the beginning of the year. One of the uh, the visions and actually one of the uh, uh, New Year's resolutions, if you look at it like that, is I, I felt on my heart is that we need to seek the Lord, that we need to know him. I had a dream some time ago about that. Felt like that's what God was saying to me, to seek me, to seek my face. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, if we seek him with all of our heart, he says that I shall be found by you. So if you seek him, there is something special that God has in mind. But we have to take that step and partner with him 
to seek his face. So this is particular. The title is God is gracious. We want to talk about what does it mean that God is gracious? We're going to look at verse Galatians chapter three, and we're going to look at verses one through three, just three verses here. And church, uh, Paul is talking to the, ch the church there, uh, the Galatians, uh, and speaking to them because it's very important. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning in the Spirit are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Very important in understanding this. We begin. In other words, when you talk about, is God gracious in that? Well, yeah, in, in a lot of sense, certainly here. But what this means actually is that uh, God's grace, His free and unmerited favor is that. So let's look at that. God's grace is unmerited. In other words, we cannot earn His favor. Nothing you can do to earn it. I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. I can't be uh, bad enough not to obviously have his favor. And we'll look at that because sometimes you feel like your feelings are, man, I'm just, this, ain't, this Christian walk is not working for me. And I want to share with you today how God views you because of who he is. And he says that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he does not change. And so obviously we receive good things from God not in response to anything good that we've done, but only because of his free choice to set his love upon us. Nothing we did to earn God's favor. We're sinners. And we know that all have sinned and come short of the, of the glory of God. And so nothing we can do to obviously gain his favor. God loves and accepts us in spite of who we are. Just because he's God. He loves us. He loves souls. He loves people. And that's encouraging to me, okay? Because, you know, sometimes your behavior, you may feel like, man, I'm really spiritual today. And then tomorrow you feel like, man, I'm a real flop, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe you did something you felt like, hey, I should, I wish I could go back and take that back. But God does not respond to us in regards to whether or not we're bad or if we're good. Didn't that, that just kind of blow you away? You see here, most Christians recognize that we can't earn our salvation. You know that you were saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone and not by anything you could do here. We understand that forgiveness of sins and eternal life are not earned at all. You can't, nothing I can do to earn it. He just gave and, and right now handed out the gift of salvation. And I had to choose to accept that gift. The same way if you give a gift to a, to a child or anybody. You give that gift and obviously don't want anything in return. You're just giving that gift, but you've got to, you've got to reach out and take it. And that's what salvation is all about. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from, from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, if I thought I could do it, I'm going, man, I'm a pastor. Look at what God, I, I can really, you know, uh, get some good things because I'm doing all this stuff for God. And, and God said, no, that's not right. Yes, you are to do and you are to do the things that God has called you to do. But you don't gain God's favor by what you do. His love is already there for you, no matter whether or not you do his will and you're obedient or you're disobedient. Well, he wants us to be obedient. Don't get me wrong. 
but you don't. God just loves us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, we didn't start out loving God, did we? We didn't start out just saying, man, I really love God a little bit more than the person over here, so I deserve a little bit more than Him. I mean, look at that terrible sinner down the street here. You know, that's what we look at, don't we? And we compare ourselves because we think somehow in our good works that we gain God's favor and approval. And that's not true. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And that's good news to us. You see, nothing that we did or could do would ever merit salvation. But Jesus did it for us. He lived a perfect, sinless life in our place. His death on the cross paid for our sins. And it's not something we can earn. Uh, it's something that we can only receive. It's a free gift through faith, believing, just believing, Don. But what I want to focus on this, this morning, actually, is not our initial entry, because we're saved by grace when we first accept Jesus in our hearts. But what I want to look, focus on is our continued relationship with the Lord. You know, if you're saved here today, then obviously you're walking, you're trying to do what God's called you to do and so forth. Sometimes you stumble and fall and you ask for forgiveness, you get back up and so forth. But I want to talk about that because let me ask you a question. How does God feel about you right now? Today, this morning. Ask every person watching and every person in the congregation. How does God feel about you right now? What's his attitude towards you? As you imagine him looking down at you, what expression does he have on his face? Is he smiling or is he frowning? Man, it's a lot to do with our walk. Because if we feel like, hey, he's frowning on me right now. Why? It's because, man, I, I just I didn't really get my act together this past week or whenever it would and whatever as you walk with the Lord and so forth. If you feel like he's frowning on you, it's going to be real hard for you to seek him, right? You got to know who he is and what he desires and his his obviously his his face upon you and his desire to know you and obviously come into that relationship. So let me ask you a second question. Why? If God's attitude towards you is positive, if he's smiling, why is that? Is it because you came to church today? Or maybe it is because you picked a Bible up this past week. Or maybe because you prayed this past week, you feel like, hey, man, God's smiling on me. I prayed this week and I did this and I did that. Or maybe I gave to the poor. Or I helped someone with the pipes or whatever it may be. Or maybe I helped uh, uh, to give food or whatever it may be and so forth. So obviously, but what if you feel like God's frowning on you? Why is this? It's because maybe you didn't tell the truth. Or you didn't say something right or so, so forth and all that. and Or maybe, you know, an example would be, well, it certainly wouldn't be this past week and nobody worked, but if you lied to somebody or you lied to your boss and, you know, you called in sick or whatever it may be, you think, golly, God's frowning on me and so forth. Well, I want to tell you this. And I want to give you the good news because God's love is unconditional. That means He loves us in spite of ourselves. That means that nothing you can do to earn His love Nothing you can do to obviously say, okay, God, you don't love me anymore because of what I've done and so forth. He loves us unconditional. So if you answer yes to any of these questions that I ask you here, if you feel that God's attitude towards you is influenced by your behavior, then I've got good news to you. God's attitude towards you is positive and his acceptance of you is not influenced at all by our behavior, good, bad, or indifferent his love is totally unconditional. Can you believe that? Doesn't that seem completely out there? So it may be a surprise to you. Why? It's because all of our relationships, we put conditions on it. If somebody treats us good, they give us a compliment, 
then obviously we respond, man, I really love that person and so forth. But if the person doesn't do that, then obviously you're going, man, I try to distance myself from that person and so forth, right? So we can't understand that because, again, we put conditions on our love for people. You do what I tell you to do and love you. If you don't, I don't. So it's based upon whether or not your behavior and, and what maybe what I told you to do or the relationship we have or, or whatever it may be. You get the picture? It's not based upon that at all. Certainly here. We keep all the rules. We follow all the religious things. Man, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm good here. But obviously, God doesn't work like that. God's goodness towards us is just as much a gift every day of our lives after we come to faith as it is on day when we believe. Every day. Every day is the same. He does not obviously shun us. He's saying, man, you're really bad this week. You know, uh, last week or week before, whatever, I, I really had my spiritual act together. I was doing all these good things for him. The next week, not so. Not influenced by him. That's the good news. And when Paul talks about it, he's talking about to these Galatians because basically he says, you know, when he says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? In other words, by a bunch of rules and regulations? Did you receive the Spirit of the Lord by doing all these things and these by, hey, if I get this right, I'd follow this rule or I follow this and so forth and all, then God's going to love me. But, he says, or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? You began in the Spirit. Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? That was what we do. We think we can somehow deserve God's favor and love a little bit more if we just get our act together a little bit more, right? But He loves us, not true at all, because God's attitude towards us doesn't fluctuate on an hourly basis. God's love towards us doesn't fluctuate by our feelings and maybe, again, our actions and all that. Man, that's good. You're going, wow. Man, Jim, you're... I'm going to talk about it in a minute because you say, well, Jim, you're giving me the liberty to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to tell you, talk to you in a moment about that because that's not true. But again, the basic foundation is that God is gracious and it doesn't change. God is there for us. And the Bible says, since God is for us, who can be against us? Since God, since he for us. I mean, the whole world could be against us. Every snowstorm that could come down to South Texas could be against us today. God would still be for us. Everybody could be against you and hate you and so forth. But God, since he's for you, I mean, who can be against you? Because he's God. He is obviously he he is God. He is there. And, and yet God chose to love us. We didn't choose God. He chose us and he sent Jesus to prove it. Obviously, his love for you does not increase or decrease about how much time you spend in prayer, or how much you read the Bible or maybe even seek his face as we've been talking about. His love doesn't love you more when you're good or less when you're bad. His approval and affection and love are, are constant. Why? It's because they're based upon, again, Christ's merit. Christ paid the price. It's not based upon our actions. It's not based upon our behavior. It's based upon the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. That's good news. Amen. So we've got a hard time accepting that, don't we, here? You know, we've hard time with this idea. Why? Because deep down, we still suspect that God likes us a little bit more when we're good. How many of you feel that way sometimes? Right? I raise my hand. 
We feel like, hey, he really does. Because what I'm saying today, you're saying, Jim, man, I'm still down deep. Come on, Jim. Come on, tell me. You know, when I'm good like this, I just feel like maybe, hey, God loves me a little bit more. Well, that's not true. He loves you no matter how you act, no matter how, no matter how you respond. And so one, obviously, again, our relationships are based upon whether or not people obviously respond to us in a way we want them to. And we obviously can vacillate back and forth again as a result of that. Our love for one another, at least in some degree, is conditional on the other behaving in a way that pleases. If obviously we mess up bad enough, the relationship will be damaged or even broken. That is true. That's fact. But obviously, he is God and we're not. And he sees it differently here. We can all think of times when people close to us have disappointed us, sometimes very deeply, and we have drawn back and our love has grown cold. Likewise, we can remember the times when we offended someone close to us and experience the pain of them obviously distancing themselves from us. It happens all the time. It's human nature. It's a product of living in a world in which relationships, listen to this, are tainted by sin. You see, God has no sin. He's holy, perfect. He's perfect. He's completely perfect all the time. He isn't like us here. So it's a hard time relating to how he relates to us or comprehending, understanding that. But obviously he doesn't love us any more or less depending on whether we please him. He always loves us, obviously, utterly, completely and unconditionally. Now, consider this. God's love and acceptance of us weren't motivated by our good qualities in the first place. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, Yet while we're still, obviously, 1 John, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while you and I were deep in our sins, is that Christ still came and died for us. Can you imagine that? He's a holy God. He's never done anything wrong. He's perfect and all that. He's perfection. And yet he reached out and touched a sinner like you and me. A sinner. And took my sins upon him at Calvary and died for my sins, went to Calvary with a horrendous death, and still went to Calvary for me. Do you think? Obviously, it was conditioned upon, hey, man, this guy Jim, he really's got to get, he loves me, he really wants to know God, and so forth. The Bible says that no one seeks God. Nobody was seeking after him. So, you think about it here. In fact, when God chose to set his love and affection on us, when Christ died for us on the cross, the Bible says that we were, listen to this, we were his enemies. We were actually his enemies. Can you believe that? He's, we see here in Romans chapter 5. For if we, if, if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We were enemies. We weren't just in a neutral position with him. You know, I didn't do too much bad and so forth. We were actually his enemies. We fought against God. We resisted God. And continued to do our own thing, didn't we? Until somehow God opened the eyes of our heart that we realized that we were in need of salvation. And that came as the Holy Spirit of God touched us and that we were enlightened. We understood, wow. And then you realized your sinfulness. We actually pushed back against God. So let me, here's an example. If a woman thought that her husband had married her for her looks and she was in a car accident and caused her to be disfigured, she might sometimes have caused to worry about his affections. Or a husband might have, call, have caused to worry about his wife's affections if he obviously, the, the, the wife married him 
because of his money and so forth. And then he came and he lost his job and all. So we have that. We are people. We are tainted by sin here. But God didn't choose us because we were attractive or wealthy or good or reliable. In fact, just the opposite. He chose us in spite of who we were. Not because of it. Our goodness wasn't what caused him to love us in the first place. And so our goodness isn't what causes him to keep on loving us now. Hallelujah. That's good news, church. There wasn't anything in me that would obviously deserve his love. He just loved me. And you know, when when the church and individuals get a revelation of that love, it's called phileo love. It's agape love. But when we get that revelation of God's love, it's like, man, you just get set free. Because you realize that, wow, God loves me. He forgives me. All of this is a part of who God is because God is gracious. God is gracious. So, if you've ever had someone walk out on you, abandon you, Jesus obviously said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But you've got to believe it. Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never, never, never. You've got to believe it. I'll never walk away from you here. So, look at it this way. Nothing you do is a surprise to God. You believe that? God knows when you're going to sin. God knows what you're going to do next week. He knows when sometimes you stumble and fall. He already knows that. So you can't disappoint someone who already knows what you're going to do. Now, doesn't this really, I mean, is this making sense to anybody? Amen. Can you give me an amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. He knows what we're going to do already. We have a father that loves us like nothing we can ever, ever imagine. Another reason we've got a hard time with this concept is, again, deep down, we still believe that we can earn God's approval. Man, I got to work a little bit harder. I got to do more maybe to keep God's approval of me, you see. And maybe you work, you get on that treadmill and you just run and run and run. And you find out, man, I, I can't do it. I can't keep up. I can't be good enough. And finally, what happens? You tell God, I give up. And God says, I've got you where I want you to be. I just love you. Don't get in on the treadmill. It's not wrong to obviously serve the Lord. I'm not saying that. But if you're doing it to try to get God's favor and get his approval, then it's all for the wrong reasons. He loves us no matter what we do. You see, some context is kind of self-reliant attitude obviously would be admirable, right? But in our relationship with God, you see, in believing that somehow we are bankrupt, that we obviously are, are dependent totally on uh, the spiritual welfare from God, that doesn't make sense to us. And when you tell people, without God, you're an enemy of God, that without God, you're spiritually bankrupt without God, is that you can do nothing, obviously, apart from Him that makes any eternal consequence. It doesn't make sense. It just can't because we feel like, and even now that we've got to work, we've got to please God by our efforts. But we can't meet its standard, obviously, of perfect holiness and righteousness. The only way we can possibly be acceptable to God is to receive the gift that He offers. His perfect righteousness. His perfect perfection. All we can do is believe He receive that. Isn't that great? That's why the Bible is full of ask. Ask the Lord for these things. Why? We ask Him into our hearts. We ask Him when we initially came to Him and to save us. To deliver us. And he did that. He came into our hearts. And he obviously. He set our, our feet upon the rock. He said so one day. We'll face him. 
One day you'll be with me throughout eternity. So, do you still think you can earn God's favor? Listen to this. I'm going to share with you. Listen to scripture. Luke 17. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he be... Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. In other words, even if you could do everything that God required, even if you could keep every commandment completely, everything, and do everything possibly, even avoiding all sin, but also doing every good deed that you're capable of, following God's commands from the morning till the evening, every day of your life, you still wouldn't merit God's love. You would only obviously be doing what? The minimal requirement here. That's what this particular scripture is talking about. You would only be, you would be obviously like that unworthy servant. That's like a poke in the eye, isn't it? I mean, I can't do anything to earn it, so forth. It's because obviously... We're learned, we've been taught, we have ingrained in our human nature that we've got to make a way. And you see today, so good to know that God's making a way even when we don't understand it. Even when we don't see it. Our God is making a way. Amen. You've got to remember that. He is, a song I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, He is a way maker. Even when it doesn't look like it, He's working. Even when He's doing it and so forth. And so nothing you can do to earn His favor. So how do we respond? So what do we do? We abandon all attempts to, ki- to curry favor with God by our own works. And we throw ourselves what? At the mercy of God every day. Listen to this scripture. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. When you come before the Lord and you say, man, Lord, I really did a lot of good things for you today. Hey, Lord, I, I, I preached Sunday. I did these things for you. I did all this stuff. Come on, Lord, you know, and do this and so forth. And I come before the Lord with that type of attitude. He says that he wants the attitude of a humble servant saying, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive anything from you. I'm not worthy of that at all. And he beat his breast. He he said that, Lord. And what did the Bible say? It said that God accepted him, but he rejected the other one. The Bible says when we humble ourselves, he gives us grace. But when we come proud and so forth and say, Lord, hey, you know, I, I know all of this and so forth. Uh, you know, I don't need your help in anything. I'm not dependent upon you. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. God says, have at it. He said, you don't need me. You see, when you come before God, are you like that Pharisee? Is your attitude, Lord, please accept me. I've worked so hard. I've read the Bible. I've attended church and so forth. I, I've hardly missed church. I teach Sunday school. I pray. I volunteer for lots of committees. I'm faithful to my spouse and take care of my children. Lord, please do that. Or do you say, God, thank I thank you for loving me in spite of my unworthiness. Thank you for answering my prayers, even though I don't 
obviously you deserve it. Please forgive me of all of my sins and bless me for Christ's sake. Amen. Which one of the prayers do you pray? I'm unworthy in that way. Because God says that obviously he does. And we need to be confident now again when we come before the Lord. But we don't come arrogantly, right? We don't come coming in and, and so forth. We humble ourselves. The Bible says that when we humble ourselves, that he'll exalt us in due season. Just say, Lord, I, I, I'm not worthy of this. But haven't you seen God and how he has taken us through even this storm? He's taken us through the COVID situation. He's, he's obviously delivered us. Haven't you seen that? So can't you and me come before him and say, Lord, thank you so much. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not deserving of any of this stuff. But by your grace, you have provided this. You love me in spite of myself and how I struggle through situations and whatever it may be. Uh, you still love me here. So obviously, if you think you object to this type of teaching, it's the word of God. It, if I believe that, obviously, I lose all, lose all my motivation for actually for serving the Lord. So what's going to keep me from just keep on sinning? If God's going to love me anyway, what's going to keep me from actually just saying, I'm not doing anything for him. If he loves me in spite of that, you want me to tell you how? And what will keep you from obviously acting that way? Love. Because you love him. Because you want to know him. Because you know he sacrificed himself. That he went to Calvary. Hung on that cross. For you and me. You see love is what it's all about. So what I'm saying is that our motivation shouldn't be a fear of losing God's love. Or a desire to somehow gain God's approval. Our motivation should be love and gratitude and thanksgiving. For that is what God already has given us. We should be serving out of joy for what he's giving each one of us each and every day. Stop just a moment about that because that's important. If it's not actually to do these things to try to earn God's favor and we're actually doing it out of love and it's a free gift, then how should we respond to that? We should respond what? With thanksgiving. We should respond with praise and adoration. We should respond with, Lord, I just want to serve you more. I just want to bless other people today because you've blessed me. This revelation to my heart about your love for me is unconditional. I just want to share with the world because Jesus gave his life for us and took the sins of the world on us. I just want to share that. Why? It's because nothing I can do. It frees you up. It releases us from trying to strive and strive and strive for more and trying to gain God's favor when he just loves us for who we are. If you don't believe it, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is obviously not self-serving. It, it's just perfect. Read that chapter and see what love is all about. Obviously, we look at that. God sets the bar high, doesn't he? And God does not say, I, I want you to be like that. I want you to do that. God works that in our hearts. He makes us more like Jesus. We haven't arrived. But he obviously gives us the power that we move towards that. Amen. So in conclusion, I like to speak directly to those who obviously in this message who are caught up in an endless treadmill trying to be good enough, trying to do enough to somehow earn God's favor. It's very important. You're frustrated. You're angry at God. For this manning more than you possibly can accomplish, you see. We just feel like we need to do that. Strive. You're obsessed with rule making, rule keeping. You know, a lot of times people are, uh, they're kind of like you say, man, they're good rule keepers. You know people like that? They keep the rules, don't you? 
You know, some people, and I'll tell you a good example of that. I, I sometimes, I keep the rules sometimes. I do them a maverick in some ways, but I do because you get out here on the freeway and I try to keep the speed limit within that. Some people, I'm driving pretty fast and people are blowing by me. I mean, they're like, whoa. They're not keeping the rules, are they? They're just going on and they're, here we go, you know. But you want to, hey, I want to obey the law as much. Obviously, I want to get to my destination as fast as possible. But obviously, some people say they just throw everything out the window. And here we go. Some people are like that. So sometimes it makes us when we think that we cannot keep up and we can't gain God's favor. It sometimes obviously makes us angry at God. Because what does it mean? It actually means that uh, we ought to do this. We're, we're actually saying, well, I got to do this. I should do this. I must do this. And our service to God brings us no joy. In fact, a lot of Christians have lost the joy of the Lord. And what's happening in their relationship with God? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And what happens is we lose our strength because we lose that joy down deep in our hearts. A joy that's obviously indescribable. You can't believe that. So get off the treadmill. Just say, Lord, you love me. You love me. He created us. He put us on this earth for such a time as this. As the book of Esther talks about, I believe it's for today. I'm here because God allowed me to be born. He knew from eternity past that Jim Barcliffe would be born on the particular day that he was. Okay, he knows he knows all of it. He's the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. He knows and so forth. But it frees us up when we realize we do not have to continue to strive to keep God's favor upon us. I'll tell you right now, his favor is resting upon everybody here today. If you're a believer today and you've accepted Christ in your life, then his favor rests upon you today. And favor, it means actually equals grace, which means the given us the ability to do what he's called us to do. The initial grace is obviously uh, means unmerited favor. We can't earn it. We cannot earn his favor to begin with. We can't earn our, his favor today. If you've walked with Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years, you still can't earn it. It's all a gift. It's given freely. And it's given openly from our Father who art in heaven. You get angry. You lose your joy. And so, therefore, life becomes really dull. Because we're trying to obviously earn it. You cannot earn it. The more you do, the more frustrated you get. Because you have in your mind you can never do enough to please God. And so I want to say this morning, get off that treadmill. You can't earn His love at all. But see, again, backing up, we feel like that we can down deep. We just feel like there's got to be something I can do for this, you see. And that's why a lot of people won't come to Jesus to begin with. There's got to be something that I can do. And a lot of people will say, let me get my act together before I come to Jesus. Let me somehow get rid of this stuff. I'm being convicted that I'm a sinner, but let me clean my act up before I come to Jesus. And Jesus said, come to me just as you are. Just as you are. And that's who the Lord is today, what we do as we approach God. We just can't understand a love like that because we don't. We put conditions on love, don't we? We put conditions on our love. So what difference will this make when you get free? And you understand this in your heart of hearts. First of all, it'll revolutionize your walk with God. Instead of a Christian life consisting of, of grim suppression of duties and, and responsibilities, it's a life of freedom, serving God out of love rather than fear. You don't fear, obviously. Fear, you say, you've seen in the Bible, it says fear the Lord. What that means is reverence, giving the respect. 
Don't fear him in that cower from him. But always giving the respect and so forth. And so a lot of people are just, man, they're fear, they're afraid. And they're trying to work their way to heaven. Do you know how many people I've seen in my ministry over the years? Most people would say that they've done enough good works that will get them into heaven. And I go, no, no, no. You can't do enough good works. You're a sinner. And you're in need of the forgiveness. The only one that's perfect, the perfect Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins, who went to Calvary, the only way you can do it is receive that free gift. You see, because we would stand before God and say, hey, God, look what I did. Look what I did. And God would say, well, you're obviously really not considering here. I sent my son into the world to die for the sins. My perfect plan. You're saying that you know better than God. But most people today, the number of people that say they're Christians, well, a lot of them, not all. I'm I'm not saying and categorizing. uh, But I'm saying, they'll say, I can work my way to heaven. I can do good things. Led Zeppelin had a song, Stairway to Heaven. A lot of people heard that song way back in the 70s. And they kind of looked at it, and I believe a lot of people interpreted it, hey, a stairway, we take one step, we can earn our way into heaven. No, you can't. That's a lie from the devil. It's only by grace. It is a free gift, unmerited. You cannot, you cannot earn it in any way. That's why I'm asking you today, anybody watching this or anybody in this place, if you've never received Jesus in your life, we're living in crucial times, folks. You know, what was it? 69 people died from this freeze here. A little boy died, evidently, also. What a, uh, <clears throat> I forget how old he was, but he died. He froze to death. He was in a trailer, lost the heat. And they believe it was because of that. All these things have happened today. Life is fragile. Life is short. If you have not received Christ today and you feel something tugging at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit of God convicting you of your sins. That you need to obviously surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. Because he's the only way to heaven. The devil has put these lies out. Maybe we can earn them. And that's why we try to earn it. We try to keep God's favor. It's because we feel like, again, we can earn something here. You can't earn anything. When you and I stand before God Almighty, we'll stand up there, obviously. And all we'll do is Jesus, obviously, in my way of thinking, what will happen in judgment is we'll say, hey, he's my savior. He died for my sins. He gave his life for me. And I'm putting, obviously, my whole trust and my whole faith in him and nothing I could do to be able to earn it. That's good news. It frees us up, doesn't it, you see? But second of all, if this truth takes hold, it can obviously transform your relationships with other people. The more we live in the knowledge that God's love and acceptance of us is not dependent upon our performance, what does it help us to do in our relationships with others? It helps us to extend grace to other people. I don't know about you. In my relationships, I need a lot of grace. How about you? Do you? And so why do we not, obviously, when somebody maybe offends us or whatever, why don't we just extend grace to them? God's extended grace to us. He gave His Son. He gave the ultimate act of grace. But we have, man, we buckle down and say this and that. But God's saying, give grace to people. You know, give grace to people in in life, throughout life. He gives us the same grace. Amen? He gives us that. But also remember, my daily relationship with God is based upon the infinite merit of Christ and not on my own performance. That is really freeing. The chains break off. Lord, thank you for your love. 
Jesus is so good. Isn't that great news, folks? That's good news, but it's great news. It's to me. You see, he loves me. He loves me. Nobody can take that love away from you or me. Only way you can do that is not believe it. I don't believe that, Jim. I know I've got to do something. Because we know we've been brought up that way. Our human nature, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. And I'm going to strive and strive and strive. Maybe sometimes people have high work ethics. And they strive. They work hard and so forth. And, and sometimes if they've never experienced grace, then they're striving to earn God's favor. And so today, what I want to do here is two things. First of all, if anybody needs prayer to come forward for prayer, anybody that needs prayer, just to pray, just to pray for, for you. Come forward and let's pray for you today. No matter what it is, it doesn't make any difference. And then those who are watching by live stream, if you need prayer, I just want you to open your heart and we're going to pray for you because God Almighty wants to touch you today. In a hospice situation, as I was a chaplain, I can remember a situation with a, a, a gentleman that I got close to. And he was from a church denomination. He'd been to church all of his life. And, and I just, he was not dying. He's not going to die. And they didn't understand. He had a terminal illness. And of course, God's timing's perfect. And we don't know and understand that fully. But just a sense in my heart, I'm going, wow, Lord, there's something he's holding on to. You've heard that uh, said before that sometimes when things are not in place, they'll hold on, won't they? And this man held on for a long period of time. And I'd go in there and I'd talk to him about Jesus and about grace, about grace. Can't earn it, can't earn it. But see, he had been raised in a church that taught legalism, that you had to perform a certain way to gain God's favor. And I knew that. I knew what type of church he was, it was and more likely what he was taught throughout his life. And so ingrained in him was that, that sense that I got to do something for this and I can't do anything. I'm laying in the bed and I am completely bed bound and so forth and nothing I can do. And I prayed with him and asked God. And finally I said, Lord, what is it? And I felt God say, it's that he's never experienced grace. He's never experienced the true unmerited favor. He feels like even now that he's not done enough. And that he wants to hold on because God was giving him that opportunity to experience his grace. And so I prayed, God, give him a revelation of your grace. I remember I visited with him as things I felt like God was going to do it. And, and some things were being said from him and family that I felt like God was going to do it. So one day. I came into his, his room and he was, I can remember it's good. I can remember where I sat by the bed. <clears throat> There's a certain thing that you remember in your encountering people. And I held his hand over here and I said, Lord, please show him your grace. He's not believing because I believe he's spoken. And he had a vision. And he began to tell me, he said, Jim, he said, this is beautiful. He said, he went on talking. I said, tell me about it. Tell me what you're seeing. And he said, I'm, I'm seeing I'm coming to the foot of the cross. And he said, it's beautiful. And, and he said some other things in regards to that. I can remember him saying, I come to the foot of the cross. And I knew God had revealed his grace to him. And do you know, it wasn't long after that is that 
he went home to be with the Lord. But you see, many Christians today, they've never experienced that grace, you know. If you've come to Jesus, you've actually, that's grace because there wasn't anything you could do. If you feel like something you did to earn his favor today, then I want to tell you, you're sadly mistaken. It's all grace. The whole thing is grace. When I stand before the Lord, it will be all grace. I don't understand that. It's a mystery. But it will be all grace. God's grace. We sang it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. What? That saved a wretch like me. Amen. Amen. It can't be any other way, folks. Because we stand before Lord, the Lord in that judgment proud and saying, man, look at what I've done, Lord. And the Lord says, I'm not impressed at all. You let the free gift of salvation go by. Anybody looking, don't let the free gift. Because I believe today somebody in this viewing audience is watching and that God is offering that free gift of salvation to you. Is receive it. Just open your heart and say, Lord, I want to receive it. The greatest gift. That same gift as we walk through life is never earned. It's always just freely giving. And we can love God back because we realize we didn't do a thing about it. We didn't do anything. And we don't have to get on that endless treadmill trying to gain his favor. We can have the joy of the Lord. And that's why we can thank him in all circumstances because it's his will. And we can have that joy that gives us the strength. And we can love him and say, thank you, Lord. All we can do is thank him. Amen. There's nothing else we can do. It's just say, thank you, Jesus. That's who our God is. He's good. And I pray in this message today and these coming up about who God is. If you maybe sometimes you've misunderstood or maybe you went to a church like this gentleman that I visited and it was legalistic and said, you better do this or you're not saved. You better do that today. You see, that is all an error. It's not biblical. The word of God says God's word, God's love is unconditional. And that means unconditional means nothing you can do to earn it. That's good news. I pray today for those watching and those here in this uh, congregation that we would have a revelation of God's grace. It's God's grace. It frees us to love him back and to love other people and also to extend grace to other people. Isn't that great? We can extend the same grace to other people that God has extended to us. How great that is to have that in our hearts today. So, anybody need prayer, you can come forward. Maybe even those watching again, just uh, bow your heads and just ask God, Lord, we pray today that there would be a revelation of your grace. I pray in this congregation and those who are viewing that an impartation of actually experientially the grace of God in their lives and they would know that they know that they know. And that they would obviously bow their hearts. If they don't know Jesus, the day would be the day that they would ask Jesus Christ into their hearts and forgive them of their sins. Believing that you're God's son and that you came and you took the sins of the world upon your shoulders and all who will reach out and accept that free gift. Free. Free. Will receive eternal life. Anybody. This gift is for all. The whole world. For God so love the world, the world, all of people. He loves us. And I pray today that you'd have a revelation of that grace and love of our Father.
thank you, Father, today. I pray today that as a result, it will awaken and actually enlighten the church to actually just desire to share that love with other people, whether it be in the grocery stores or the filling stations or whether or not it be out in the, uh, in the marketplace, wherever that you Lord, show us that we can freely, obviously, just give that and obviously receive so much more from you. We love you. We praise you. We pray these things in the holy and majestic name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is gracious. Amen. And everybody, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're glad you're with us today. And anybody's made a decision, you can get in contact with us. And uh, prayer request. A lot of prayer needs. God answers prayer. God listens. Uh, and he will answer prayer. So uh, just send those uh, requests in. I pray that God will touch you. I do believe that he is today. I believe that he's touching your life today. And so receive what he's doing in your life. It is a free gift. He just loves people. And he wants you, obviously, to draw close to him. Because I believe he's wooing some people today. I believe we're in a time where God is really, obviously, at any time of history. But this time of history, he's beginning to woo people and draw them. And I pray today that you would open your heart as he draws close to you. And give him praise. Amen. Y'all have a blessed week. We obviously have warmer weather. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, we pray it would be a wonderful, productive week for each one of you. And also, again, in your desire to know Jesus. Thank you. God bless you all.